I'm Kevin McDermott. And uh, we are performers at the CT Comedy Theater in Hartford, Connecticut. While our physical theater is shut down due to the pandemic, we're excited to bring our show, Little Worry, Big Worry, to you in this digital space. On each episode of Little Worry, Big Worry, we are joined by a very funny guest to talk about what we're worried about, the silly little things, and then some bigger personal fears. We talk things over break it all down, and then hopefully by the end, we feel a little less worried. Kevin, hello. Casey Grambo, it's nice to see you. It's good to see you too. It's been a minute. It has been a minute. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You've been well? Yeah. I've been, you know, pandemic good, as they say. Yeah. Uh, It's that kind of special time of the year where everything is, you know, changing at a rapid pace. It is. Spring has sprung. It has sprung here in Connecticut. Have you been to Elizabeth Park? I sure have. I oh boy. I um took a walk during the workday. Bad, bad, but also good, good. How do how do I judge my actions? Um, um and the we saw the tulips per your recommendation. Yes. And not only did I enjoy the tulips, you know, my dog enjoyed the tulips. He didn't like oh. eat them or anything, mm-hmm. but it was a lovely time people were admiring the dog i were they admiring the dog while he admired the flowers because that's that's quite something pretty engaged in yeah. you know just the general you know movement of what was going on there's a lot of, yeah. there was a lot of people there that day there were volunteers there were people just enjoying the flowers taking pictures of themselves in front of the flowers and i was like this is so nice so thanks for the recommendation i mean tulips are everywhere but they are yeah. in high concentration you know, in Elizabeth Park. This and I, just to provide con- some context, people may think that they've tuned in to the Tulip Hour with Casey <laughs> and Kevin, which is our show. It actually airs on Sunday. That's not what this is. This uh, isn't what this is. Turn this tune, on and go to our other podcast. Go to our, our Tulip, Tulip Appreciation <laughs> Podcast. Uh, it's a huge, the Tulip Hour. But uh, in Elizabeth Park, Hartford's very own uh, incredible, incredible park, every year they have a planting of uh of tulips that are enormous and extensive and beautifully planned and the colors are extraordinary i recommended it on our last podcast in case i'm glad you enjoyed it and the champ enjoyed it too yeah and i'm you know i'm growing up a little i think i think i i had a pretty basic experience like i i was pretty basic tulip girl and now you know i'm really starting to appreciate those tulips of all shapes and sizes and colors they're they're more adult adult uh adult, adult themed adult tulips themed there tulips. Yeah. yeah all right um okay. kevin i recommended a um i didn't recommend a book but instead recommended a new york times article to you yes um, yes what do you think i loved it um the main you know kind of theme it touches my soul of mm-hmm. thrift of uh economy of um not not being cheap, but of being frugal and um, also of like not accepting planned obsolescence of like objects. I, I loved it. I loved it. Fixing things. And during the pandemic, this huge kind of desire to 
around your house improve. And I think starting with like maintaining things and that, that touches me very deeply. I love it. Yeah. Maintenance, you know, the thing, as I got deeper into the book and I will bring it to you um, because I do think it's something you will like um, as you get deeper into it and not to get like, you know, too intensely um, (laughs) philosophical or political, but I really think that it speaks to this interesting idea of maintenance as value and that there's, Mm -hmm. Um, an inherent um, kind of lack of value placed on maintenance and service uh, in jobs like like women in the home or people doing um, maintenance jobs and I was like whoa that is so true and didn't think about how there is just like not only is it like that what we're making we're not valuing by like how we're making it and we're misvaluing it but we're also like not valuing maintaining it and it's just Uh, like Um, but there's hope. There is. Yeah. As that article points out that it is, you know, it, people are embracing it. And I, yeah, I've always like, I love the thrill of reusing something or reusing something in a different way. Mm-hmm. Um, my daughter is an absolute like scrapper. Like she just takes things and repurposes them and uh, it delights me to no end. So Boy, I, I, I do. Yeah, I I'm definitely uh, a scavenger. Speaking um, of being delighted to no end, yes, we have um, an amazing guest, and here we are flapping our gums. We need we let's bring on our guest. Shut up, Casey and Kevin. Let's get to the good stuff. All Stop right, you talking guys. about tulips. <laughs> um, our guest this evening is a comedic writer, a director, an intuitive healer based in Hartford, Connecticut. Her credits include the short play Back to Beaver Creek, which was a finalist in the Manhattan Repertory Theater's 10 Minute Play Festival. The sold-out sketch comedy sensations Worst Day Ever and Worst Date Ever 2, and the original musical Purpose Cafe, which she co-wrote with her wife, Charmaine. These days, Tiana is ignoring the book that she is supposed to be writing by finding new teen dramas to watch instead. Please welcome, as previously mentioned a little bit, Tiana Glass Trip. Yeah! Yay! Yay! <laughs> Tiana, welcome! <laughs> Thanks. Glad to be here. Teen dramas. I didn't realize this was a passion. Can you talk a little you bit know, about why you love it? It just started as a passion. Um, last year, I got really into um, like teen books. And, you know, I think teen dramas just kind of followed you. The, the stakes are really high with teens. So they start out being like, you know, oh, this boy broke up with me and it's the end of the world also teen murder dramas like that's a subdrama genre of the um whole teen world spectrum like teens being murdered or being involved with murder um you know very you know again horror movie i mean the teens are always the first to go teens are are the first to go Tiana, are you watching, are these like modern day kind of analogs of like 90210 or like, or Dawson's Creek kind of thing and just modern ones? Yeah, some of them are like, like one was a girl who um, her father died and then she lost the ability to walk. Um, And that one was actually a comedy, believe it or not. (laughs) (laughs) Hilarious setup. (laughs) Hilarious. But yeah, um, 
I'm watching another one where a girl went missing and uh, takes place in the 90s. And um, I did actually watch the first season of Nine and Two One Zero because I I was pretty young at the time that that came out, so I uh, didn't really get to be sucked in the world. And I got sucked into that world, man. Oh, man. Uh, but any teens having some sort of uh, real life crises, which Honestly, it could be literally anything, and it's a life crisis. And uh, yeah. oh, I'm, the stakes totally are in. so high. They're so, so high. high. There's lots of prom dresses. Oh God, don't get me started on prom dresses. Like prom dresses and murder are on the same scale. <laughs> I love that. Oh my God. Well, it I, is. it's I'm, pretty great. This is not something that Tiana had asked to talk about. I just read that in the bio. It's just like I gotta know. Um, <laughs> I think that's so. I ask because it's just a foreign concept to me. I, I don't know. I, I mean, I, I did watch 90210. I am just based on Tiana's comment earlier. I am considerably older because that was like a hot show when I was about the target audience for that show. Um, God, so those early seasons. Oh, dreamy Dylan. Beautiful oh. Brenda. Oh, man. Those were really <laughs> my, uh, my wife. Go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> My wife is 11 years older than me, so she was right there, uh, target demographic when it was out. And um, when I started watching it, she was like, what is this blast from the past? And I was like, oh, we're watching this. Uh, <laughs> she did enjoy the flashback, but she can't hang with the rest of the teen shows, you know? Yeah. She's just out. I, I mean, I, I would go back. I would go back to the peach pit in a second and just sit and have some pie. Oh man. I mean, who wouldn't? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I think, I mean, we have so much to talk about. I don't want to like end yeah. this chat, but like, should we get into our worries? Yeah, right. I, we, we can. And I will um, offer my little worry. One thing that never happens on 90210 or Dawson's Creek is cursing because those are clean shows. But I find myself um, and am worried about how frequently I mindlessly and uh, just without any, um, without any thought at all curse in my daily life. Um, and I, I, it is not out of um, – it's usually just like casual cursing. And I, I think part of it is that I, I work in an environment in athletics where – I think the language, you know, that you can get away with casually just is, uh, I don't know, maybe a, the you're allowed to get away with a little bit more. And I'm just simply talking about, like, using the F word just as a descriptor and as an adjective and, and all the other parts of speech that you can use it. Um, just saying the S word, like, just casually and mindlessly. And, um, yeah, I'm really worried about how how frequently and without thought I, I curse. And just full disclosure, Tiana, like we can curse on this podcast. <laughs> we can curse on this podcast. Like, because you said the F word and I was like, oh, maybe it's a PG podcast. Like maybe the F word. No, we can 100% say the F word. Um... <laughs> we can, we can. Um, I'm going to try not to, because like I said, I'm worried about this. Guys, come on. I'm worried. Um, I don't curse out of anger which is a vow that I made and try to keep, you know, whether it's like professionally or personally or in my car, like I really have 
vowed to not curse out of anger. But now it's just like, man, I'll just drop the F-bomb if I'm talking about an apple. That's a good effing apple. Man. I don't think it's that bad, but I just, I'm worried that I do it so freely and so kind of thoughtlessly. I don't know. I mean, I get what you mean, because you don't want to, like, meet the queen and be like, oh, fuck yeah, queen. Like, (laughs) that's what I'm worried about. Yeah. I'm meeting the queen next month. (laughs) jeez what if it slips diana you hit it on the head and you really put your priorities in order when you got your vaccine just like meet queen number one first person inviting over um i love the royals anyone who knows me knows i love the royals cursing and Uh, anglophile princess beatrix oh man (laughs) she's effing hot oh man but um yeah i i i don't know i i I worry about it partly by my kids. Mm-hmm. Um, my son, he was like two and a half, three, and he would use the word God damn it. And I was like, oh, <laughs> there's only one place he learned that. I, I love kids cursing. I love it. <laughs> Isn't it great? Yeah. It's fantastic. Are you- it was like Legos would fall over and he'd be like, God damn it. And it was like, it was so great. It was so good. They're so good at it. Like they use it so wonderfully. Yeah. And the tone, like the tone they use, is like so clearly parroted from your, from your mouth, and it's just like, oh my like, god. The way they nail the context too, like <laughs> he knew, like my Legos oh, yeah. fell. This calls for a goddamn it. God damn it. <laughs> I'm currently wearing a shirt that says "God damn it" underneath this shirt. So, um, <laughs> you know. I would say I'm not that I too am a casual cursor. Um, I, you know, I I definitely get my, I guess I get myself into trouble a little bit though. Like, you know, professionally, I, you can't, your, your work, you couldn't curse. Like, no, it's definitely not casual. professional to do so. Like there have been occasions right. where I'm like, for lack right. of a better word, like this is kind of shitty. <laughs> like, yeah. I've, I've said things yeah. like this. Um, <laughs> yeah. Like in more casual conversations with, co-workers like i might swear more um yeah but yeah working in college and into fundraising it's not exactly the best um yeah. i try to speak like, like myself which occasionally means that one of those will slip out but i mean i have a, a mother who the the f word just flows out of her mouth and this is gonna she's gonna not gonna listen to this so if you are listening mom ha 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 um but it flows out of her mouth like it's water um, or air. Like, it's just like, ah, the F word. And then if my dad hears it, it's like he's been shot. So, um, like, it's like I've killed him with my impoliteness and, like, lack of um, respect for, you know, the Lord or something, um, which is, like, totally not our vibe at our house. But, like, just for some reason, the F word still packs a punch in my home. And, you know, I've gotten on the occasional rant of, because the justification is always beat. That's not ladylike. And I'm like, oh, we want to talk. <laughs> and then it's just like, then the F words really start flying. So um, I get what you're saying, Kevin. I, too, have this problem. Tiana, do you, are you a casual cursor? Super casual cursor. Like, my wife is often blown away by how often I just drop the F-bomb and, and like in situations that do not call for it. Like, I'm like, oh, forgot my fucking water downstairs. And she's like, <laughs> why? Why that? Are you mad? I'm like, not mad at all about it. But 
I just needed it. But uh, my, my fucking water's downstairs. But my fucking water's downstairs. It's an adjective. It was supposed yeah. to be up here. The thing, yeah. <laughs> my uh, my grandmother was an amazing casual cursor. God rest her soul. She was so good at it, and she taught me at such a young age just by listening. And I knew I couldn't say it with her, but wow, she could really nail them. And you know, it also taught me like you know this whole being ladylike thing. I was like. She's super ladylike. Like, if you called her to a meeting, she would show up in gloves and a dress, like, no matter how casual it was in the 90s, where we weren't doing that anymore. But, like, you know, super ladylike, but she's going to let those F bombs fly, like, all the time. Like, it was wonderful to watch. So, um, to hear it is like music to my ears. And I just, I don't even know how to stop. But I do often think just, you know, Kevin, I guess I worry a little bit too, is, you know, I'm, I'm going to meet the queen someday. I just put it in the universe enough. Um, but when I meet her, I'm going to curse in front of her. I'm, I'm sorry. I apologize in advance, madam. I, I think you, you hit on it of like reading the situation and determining whether, you know, what language is appropriate for that situation. And I think I am adept at that. Like at the theater, we mostly play clean, you know, like we don't, you know, the artistic team does not care for, and I don't think the performers, like their sensibilities, um, we really care for like gratuitous cursing on stage. So I know like in this environment, I need to play pretty clean or with my kids, I really do try. And I, I'm not like dropping F-bombs or MFers or anything like that around my kids. Um, but like if I'm, I, I don't know, like around my team or um, with my friends, I curse like, it, 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 Casey, as you described it, just like flowing water, just like it is. So anyway, I, I worry that maybe I won't read a, a situation correctly and will curse um, and be, yeah, will really offend somebody or will really get something wrong. Um, I had a moment it, in high school where just, to, just you know, because I think cursing is like it's a broad spectrum, especially, you know, uh, I mean, some people would consider Jesus Christ as a a, a curse um, my mom and, yeah you know and uh, my uh, my my use of jesus as an expletive and like how religious my family was was kind of like the same like it was like, now <laughs> one just kind of fell away and just the yelling jesus um just stayed behind um and i somebody hit this like incredible shot like during a basketball practice and i exclaimed <laughs> Jesus Christ, like that was a really good shot. And the um the coach made me run like uh made me run for saying it. Oh wow. And uh I was furious. I was so pissed. I was like I can't but was like first of all I was not using it in a way that was like negative. I was like and second of all this is a public school. You absolute turd. Yeah. Fuck you. <laughs> 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 like I can say Jesus Christ however i fucking want <laughs> so. and you were using it in the sense of a miracle yeah, well, it was a legitimate yeah. miracle yeah thank you for acknowledging that because this shot was a miracle it came from someone i was like what it it happened in a way that was like excuse me so i shouted jesus christ <laughs> but you know and your coach didn't recognize the religious uh wonder that you no, were expressing using that yeah <laughs> 
He he sounds like a turd, which is a it's not really a curse word, but that's a great word. I do, yeah. Turd is something that also flows out of my mouth. <laughs> yeah. You wouldn't want your kids to use it, but it is a good one. Yeah, it's really good. Yeah. It's a good one. Sorry, I'm like scooting around here. I, I one kind of final concern or or related element to it is that I mentioned that I try and and really have been successful in not cursing out of anger. Um because I used to do that a lot, like bad temper would like get out of control of my emotions and would like swear out in anger when I was like, uh, really worked up. And I was like, that is just shitty. Like that is just not, <laughs> not okay. Or not, it doesn't align with like my priorities or my values. And, um, you know, so I'm like, all right, so I've, I've kind of eliminated that element of it. What is so like tempting or so appealing about having curse words just be a part of my regular vocabulary and they are fun and they are descriptive and they do kind of unite you in in a way um and, and connect you to your fellow conversant i guess in in that sense but um yeah i don't know i just i don't know if i want to i don't i i also i'm not worried enough that i want to try to eliminate it because i do like cursing just as you both have kind of expressed I'm going to say something heard weird. Oh, go ahead, Tiana, go ahead. Oh, sorry. So I've heard that like when you're angry and you say a curse word, it like releases something in your brain. Like, oh. uh, like I don't know if it's dopamine, but let's say it's dopamine yeah. that like calms you and it, it's like um, soothing you of some of the anger. Okay. Um, so maybe when too, you're right? saying it, yeah, yeah. Like it, it, they found that people, uh, if they asked them how they felt after they cursed, pain wise, it would lower, uh, register lower on the scale of pain than the people who did not curse after they got hurt. So, so I should lose my shit more. Maybe you're experiencing joy. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you could. <laughs> Just lose my shit more, blow my fucking top a lot more. No, I like that that idea of uh, like cathartic. Uh, that's super interesting, Tiana. I didn't. I, to I add never to heard this that. too, and sorry, I'm like chitter chattering over people. Apologies. The I like. I think the expletives also kind of they ex they exclaim the unexclaimable. Like if something feels like I are like it's very much like a are you serious, um kind of moment or I can't believe it and I before the pandemic happened, I feel like I was much more prone to, um, uh, I was very easily like brought all the way up to 100 of like, I can't believe this. Like I was very easily like, um, brought like all the way to the top. Um, and I think expletives and curses are great for that. Um, the other thing that I was like going to say is, okay, so this is the thing I think about cigarettes. If you're seeing somebody smoke a cigarette, okay. Part of you is like, wow, this person, like, is not afraid of death. <laughs> and I feel, like, I feel like cursing is, like, a little bit like a verbal cigarette. It's like, you're not afraid to, like, dabble in the dangerous. Ooh. Do you know what I mean? Like, oh, yeah. It's kind of I like, like that. A, you know what I mean? I feel, And to me, I'm like, I'm not afraid. Like, um, obviously, it's, like, the most benign version of that. <laughs> no, no, no. I like where you're going with this, Casey. I am a rebel. For Very casual good. cursing. Ooh. 100%, 100%. So not only Tiana justifies the catharsis of it, and oh, this is a wonderful We're to share. This with beautiful colors <laughs> of, you know. It's gorgeous. 
I'm loving this verbal cigarette thing. <laughs> I'm just going to step out so and take weird. a few drags, guys. Uh, excuse me for one second. <laughs> fuck, fuck, shit, fuck, fuck, fuck. Oh, yeah. Oh, God. I just lit one up and feel pretty good now. Oh, I love it. Um, <laughs> well, that was great, Kevin. I haven't really talked about that, you know, in a group before. It's mostly just swearing. Feels goddamn time. good to get it off my chest. <laughs> and you two motherfuckers really helped me out a lot. Well, Tiana, I'm I'm very excited to hear about what your little worry is. Oh, sure. So uh, my little worry is that I'm worried that I sound more excited than I really am because I tend to use a lot of uh, exclamation points, um, text messages, emails, whatever you got. If if I'm writing it down and I'm sending it to another person, we're hitting that. We're hitting that number one button. <laughs> you want it to be loud. My response. Loud, expressive. Like, and you know, you can probably tell a little bit of my personality, but I'm kind of a human exclamation point. But like, sometimes I'm not really feeling that way. But like, it'll be like, hey, uh, do you want to file the report for me today? And I'm like, yes, great. And I'm like, I'm not that excited. I don't want to do that report. I hate everything about that. That is. So I don't know if it's just that I want to seem agreeable. I, I think I want my human exclamation point uh, personality to translate to email. Like I want people to know, like I'm not being grumpy about this, mm. but at the same time, you know, I'm not as excited as this exclamation. We need something in between, like something that shows like I'm not angry. And uh, I know some people might be listening and thinking like that's called a period. But um, <laughs> we have a lot of grammarians who tune in. To <laughs> not grammarian hour. That's our Thursday, <laughs> that's, that's our Thursday podcast. <laughs> that's our Thursday podcast. Yeah. yeah, I'll be I'll be a guest on that one, too, because I got thoughts about the interrobang. Yeah, but uh. <laughs> Tiana, I, which I, is another I bring a lot of um I mean part of it is like a little bit of formality but also a lot of it I do try to bring some some juice to my emails um like I, I always hit up like a good morning Mr uh you know or good morning Emily you know and like try to give a little salutation um my sign offs a lot of a lot of the time it's a thank you with an exclamation point and it's just like oh good I, I try to throw in those pleases throw in those thank yous like give a little bit of polite tone and i think it's just like you know a little bit of sugar helps grease the wheels that is not a saying but i think it should be <laughs> but it's like you, you, you catch a lot more flies with honey than you do with vinegar that's more of an actual idiom so <laughs> that is heard that but one I, do you is that part of it for you of like this will kind of bring some energy to another person or uplift them a little bit or yeah i mean i will say i was the class clown in high school i try to be like if they were giving out superlatives at day jobs i would want the class clown trophy um so with that like i'll try to slip a few jokes in an email that yep. is not jokey like i will totally email the board and give them a rundown of my day in a joking way. And they, everybody seems to respond positively. Nice. Um, I have not met any backlash about it, 
but I also wonder, like, you know, do they think like I am intoxicated in some way? Because <laughs> <laughs> I also know they know I didn't ask her something good. This was not fun when this, I asked her. This could read as super polite or shit-faced yes <laughs> it's 10 a.m i know you don't want to do this task and i'm like got it <laughs> she's high on life or high on vodka <laughs> it's literally such an art form to like because all the things that you guys are talking about is are they is are things uh, grammarian hour thursday um are are constantly playing in my head when i'm like emailing people because it's like a real balance of like you know, a professional tone slash like you don't want to sound grouchy. That might be some serious like women in the workplace uh, <laughs> vibes that Tiana might Tiana and I might get if we're like, sure. <laughs> it's like that might sound like we're mad or bitches in general or something, um, which is not the vibe I really want, even if it's not what I was actually giving off. And the opportunity yeah. to make a joke in an email for me when I see it and I'm like, and it's like appropriate, it's like God came down and was like, here's your moment. <laughs> like, it's like very exciting because yeah, it, I try, I guess like I'm not always looking for the opportunity, but I'm like, oh my God, here it is. This is, this is the one, this is my email. I get to be funny on. Um, yeah. We, speaking of making a joke in the office and um, I just have to share this joke because I was, it, it was like you said, it just landed. Um, so uh, I was in a, a very serious all staff meeting and um, the CFO of the entire organization said that she was uh, in a training and it was uh, for WPA, the initials WPA. And um, I'm not sure if either of you are familiar with the very popular song of the summer, Cardi B and Megan Thee Stallion, W-A-P. I'll let you Google what that meant. I'm familiar. Um, <laughs> so uh, she's going on and she's like, we got selected and it's such an incredible title for us. And we're all so excited. And I was like, ah, W-P-A. I believe Cardi B made a song about that last summer. And... <laughs> I just typed it in the the little chat function there, and the com the rest of the meeting was off the rails. Like everyone was, I'm getting direct messages. They're laughing in the chat. Like just like, Tiana obviously told a joke in the chat. I don't know what she said, but <laughs> and um, I don't know I what she said, but it, it fucking crushed. It crushed. Yeah. It crushed the 10 a.m. staff meeting. <laughs> God, that's, I, a, that's I, a thrill. Oh, oh, I, I think it was also my last week at that job, so it was just like, thank you, United Way, I'm out. Good night. <laughs> so funny. Oh my god, it's so fun because like you really can't like it in those moments. It is truly, truly fun to get to have fun um, because not everybody's thinking about having fun in those moments and I'm like everything is an opportunity you know to like like what a great I think what people don't realize too is like how intensely you're listening like how many other people are like thinking oh well that reminds me of this you know god bless improvisers god bless thinkers <laughs> you know writers like it's fun it's great to have that kind of 
mind in the room because it lightens the load sometimes. And it's so endearing, you know, when you can drop levity, you can drop that humor. Um, or even going back to like the excitement, you know, the exclamation point, like when you can bring that people, I think around you are just drawn to it. They're like, it, it is, it is so endearing. And I love like spreading that around to either my colleagues or even people, um, like in the world, you know, you're just like, I, I would, I, I love when people are like, Oh, that, that was a nice interaction. Or I, f I hope they feel like it was a nice interaction with me. And the next time I see that fellow, I'll, I'll say good day to you. And my, what a nice young man that fellow was. Well, you know, you know, and then they'll do something, do me a favor that I might need, you know? Yeah, 100. That's like, that's the real goal. Is yeah, then favors. they're like, yeah, <laughs> yes. you just, if you're spreading sugar and they like you, it's like, oh man, then I can ask for wheels stuff are later. So the greasiest sugar wheels. <laughs> sugar wheels. Oh. <laughs> new. That, you can hear about that on our Monday podcast, the cereal hour, the sugar wheels, new from Kellogg's. Great. Really, really good. They're just being really explicit Great. about I it. I really hope they sponsor you guys because sugar wheels are amazing. <laughs> Fingers crossed. Well, I wanted to say, because, you know, I do think this idea, though, of feeling like you have to, though, in some ways, like, I I do want to kind of dig into that a little bit because, you know, do you, <laughs> like, percentage-wise, do you feel like part of it is, like, I got to keep this up? Like, or I guess, like, what would be... I guess I see the point of being worried about if you don't keep up that energy that people are going to assume there's something wrong. And it's like, that's also unfair. And I don't know, like, Kevin, is this something that you experience? Like, I'm not trying to make this like a boys versus it's, girls thing, but like, it does no, it's interesting like that to hear you say like that, the tone and the perception of like not wanting to come off like shrewish or um, for me, it's just being a dick. You know, like being like, I, I really, you know, when I send like an email that's two words, I'm always like, I don't want to like, I don't want to be seen as like a overbearing. Um, but I think that's very, I can very easily cross that line and I don't want to, you know, so yeah, I don't know like that you're having the same what you feelings mean. Too. So yeah, we're all, we're all, I think so. Yeah. I don't want to be seen as a, a prick or, you know, someone who's like overly demanding or, mm -hmm. Have you had yeah, a moment? Oh, go ahead. Sorry, I'm, I interrupted. Oh, sorry. I uh, I just, uh, I definitely have had that thought, though, of like, you know, especially I, I started a new job in the pandemic. So that means nobody has met me in my face. So they don't know that I'm always smiling. They don't know that my tone is rarely bitchy. Um, and like, I, I even call what I have a resting nice face because I will just be standing at a bus stop and people will be like, oh, you know, when I was five, I lost my dog. And I'll be like, I don't know why you're telling me this, but like, please continue. And, uh, but if you don't, if you've only met me through like Zoom, you might not know my tone. You might not know that I uh, want to be friendly. And um, it is a genuine desire of mine to be seen as friendly and to be seen as a person that people can depend on. So I do think part of that is like the overuse of exclamations and like making sure my emails aren't just like one word in a period. I, I do think there is something conscious behind that. I don't know if I would say it's, I mean, I guess I would say it's unfair because there's definitely days where I've been like, eh, I don't really have it in me today. And 
luckily I haven't had anyone think I was mad. It's more like I've had people come up to me and be like, what's the matter? Is everything okay? Uh, you know, checking in on me because they're worried I'm sad. Uh, I'm glad that's the reaction and not just like <laughs> the, the shittier version of the answer. <laughs> but you know, I... I don't think people have ever seen me mad, so they don't even know what that looks like. Like I've never it, seen you mad, and that's impressive. It, it's uh, it doesn't look very good, so I try not to do it. <laughs> I am grateful that. <laughs> and you do radiate an energy, and it's like I think everyone does, and it's like yours is yeah. positive. Yours is like glowing and it's like all right that's i think like moths people are attracted to that in a in a very positive way so i, I don't know so. I, I, that's that's not natural for me it's like beautiful to hear you describe kind of your self understanding i'm like oh that's not me but like <laughs> i think there's a part of me that is like that um but i do want to project more of that because i think it's attractive and i think it's like very desirable to be like oh that person is like giving off good you know and i Kevin and I started this podcast to try to learn how to be more attractive and desirable. That's right. (laughs) Good info. Taking notes. That is great. I mean, you're both fantastic entertainers and wonderful conversationalists. So you've already got that part in the bag. And we're going to try to use more exclamation points, Casey. Do it. This entire description for this episode join me exclamation points on every single thing exclamation points (laughs) warning explicit content exactly 100 100 that's so fabulous like a rap album in the 90s (laughs) (laughs) i love it you guys do we want to do big worries are we ready get into it let's go two great little worries all right so the big bigger and better baby right bigger and better you guys i'm going to do our little worry here and i'm worried that i did not realize until this year how much i derived my self-worth from external validation oh boy yeah and i I I think three performers i think we can all (laughs) i'm I'm interested what angle you're going to take on this but like yes where's my audience (laughs) i was like these are people I don't feel uncomfortable saying this in front of because they understand. Um, so I should say that, like, you know, in general, I'm a, a pretty, I'm, I'm someone who I think has good self-worth and I, you know, I feel good about myself, you know, on, on, you know, on the whole, like overall net positive. Um, but I, I, there's been a couple of moments this pandemic time um where i've kind of um just started to realize like how just how much uh both in a performance way but also in like um success ways or just like here's an idea i have like do you like my idea um and when i've gotten positive feedback just like kind of in this um desert of human interaction how much it's hitting me like in my heart and in my mind like how how emotional it has been when someone has said I really like you did a really good job or I really like your idea or um this was really good and I it it like it was there was something that happened at work 
where someone read something I wrote and the response was just wow. And like, I got like choked up and I was like, this is extremely embarrassing. Like this should not be my reaction to this. Um, and obviously it's important to like care about, you know, doing well and it's okay to like be happy about people liking what you do. But I was like crying because someone said what you did was good, you fucking baby. Like it was like literally so embarrassing. <laughs> and, um, but that's yeah, what I we just... do to babies, Casey. I'm not calling you a baby. I'm saying we have been conditioned for that since we were babies. <gasps> you ate up piece of banana like we we like from when we are babies it's like external validation is like our i mean i'm not a developmental psychologist but like that's what we're driving towards right or, or yeah. i don't know like and I, will say, I think i walked around my head held a little higher you know no like like oh i perform like weekly and this i i have a skill that i do and you know people like watching me do the thing that i do and that was kind of like not something that I would, I, I literally don't think I've ever said that out loud. Um, I've n never been like walking around being saying that, but I knew it about myself. And I, I knew that I liked that about myself. And I, it felt like a strong foundation of confidence to stand on. And it, it's not that I feel like I've necessarily like lost that or that people don't think that, but I'm like, wow, not having that like kind of like constant <laughs> affirmation. Um, it, it, it's been a little... It, the cracks and the it's been a little wobbly I, I, to the point where you know I'm crying because I get like a good note at work because I just desperately needed a good note which is like what the unfortunately it was to no one's face thank god remote work it was like I read an email and like cried alone in my house and my cat was like you okay dude <laughs> <laughs> but I'm gonna stop talking now and hear what you guys think because I'm very interested I mean similarly I you know, I thought about starting a podcast because I was like, people need to hear what I have to say. And then they have to comment on it and tell me I was good. And like, that was literally my basis for it. Like, I was like, what is something that I could say to people that they would tell me I said a good thing? And, you know, I, I kind of had to sit with that for a while where I was just like, why do I want this validation from people? But I also have not uh, created anything in a year and nothing I've written has gone to stage and I haven't, you know, had that release of like artistic work that I've done, even just like, you know, I think I have a fairly attractive face. And uh, when I go out in public, people tell me my face is attractive and that has not happened for an entire year. And um, I did not realize that it meant so much to me that people would sometimes tell me my face was attractive. And um, it's such a weird thing to miss in all of this. Uh, and it, it's, it's hard to even kind of reckon with that something I didn't think was important to me is kind of showing itself as being important to me. I, I too didn't think I needed the validation of like other people, like, you know, maybe a little bit, but um, I, I sent an I sent a review of something somewhere, something that I just fired off and I sent it to someone and they said, this is great. And I was like, this is great. <laughs> I'm like, calm down. It was a Yelp review, but it meant a lot. <laughs> I'm glad that what you're describing is like 
the the thing where you're like i knew i needed it a little but not having it show like that's and then it's like and now this like it's like extremely yeah that's definitely how i'm feeling the the audience has been like losing the audience has been brutal I mean, I can remember being a child and making my uncles laugh and being like, oh, yeah, that's the shit right there. So then, like, you know, in all of our different ways, like you seek every opportunity, whether it's theater or comedy or stand up or sketch or whatever, to like be in front of an audience and like hopefully make them feel what you want them to feel and get that validation. So like during the pandemic, we have a family Zoom, like my my family Zoom and my wife very appropriately makes fun of me for like family zoom aka the kevin show because i've like turned it into my fucking like you know like hey like i got a new bit guys hang on a second for my mom and my sisters you know shit because it's like i need that audience i I fucking i mean i don't need it i just love it so much that i i miss it like crazy so like i'm composing like drafts of a text to my college buddies because i want to be I want to perform and like they're an audience. Yeah. I, yeah. I miss it like crazy. And, and so, yeah, totally Casey. I have, I totally have drafts of uh, Facebook status messages in my phone. Like, yeah. I'm just like, I got to tweak that in the right way. It's got to be tight enough for me to post. So that way I know I, I got a good bit here. Of laughs. Yeah. Yeah. That is There's so a good funny. premise. I gotta, I gotta <laughs> really polish it. Gotta come back to that one. I, maybe there are a couple of open mic spots I can do and to really test it out, see if I can get it, real, get it real tight. All right, imagine this is on a green background. It's like the big letters white. Okay. And here's and here we go. Oh, I so. did a I did a spot, and I think I got a real nice button for that Facebook post uh, status update. I decided it's gonna go in the comment, and it'll. Oh, it's, I just thought of a great fucking callback for my Facebook status. Yeah, I'm thinking the exact same way, like all the time. It's so all the time. And I, you know, it's really interesting is like, I didn't think about, okay, so this is going to sound weird too, but obviously like, you know, there is everyone, of course, should, you know, reach a point, should, if you did reach a point where you're like, wow, like truly I can validate myself and I am confident and I am here, like, and you know not that i don't need anybody else's validation but like or not that i don't want it but rather you know it doesn't actually you know send me on kind of like a little bit of of like i I just feel i feel a little lost at sea in a way like that and i'm i become more sensitive of like if i do something i'm doing something wrong in this context of like not having like an intersectional validation like thing going on where it's like my family's telling me I'm good and an audience on Saturday told me I'm good. And, you know, I told myself I'm good on one day and then my boss told me I was bad, but I've got three out of four. So, you know, that one not as good doesn't like hit as hard, but Casey, Casey, tell me if I'm way off base here. It sounds like you have like an internalized baseline of validation that's very positive and healthy and balanced i've been fortunate my parents did that yeah and i (laughs) and i feel the same way of like my internal validation i feel very blessed that i'm relatively balanced and feel feel good it's the supplementary external validation that i like miss like a junkie mrs heroin i think is that is that is that fair or maybe not am i I not getting it and i think that it's you know really a matter of when you're 
and maybe this is me overthinking it, but when I think trying to do well, it requires, we talk about risk all the time, Tiana, on this podcast. So like, I'm not surprised that here we are talking about risk, but you know, going out on a limb to try something new or like, you know, putting something out there, like the thing I was talking about for my job was like, I wrote like a letter basically. And it was my own, like, I, I got some feedback, but like, I really did frame it in like my own way and getting positive feedback on it was like earth shatteringly positive because I was like, wow, like I really put myself out there and I got great feedback and that felt amazing. But like the same thing happens and it's like not positive, not that it's like, and I, I think I've learned over, you know, my, how long have I been working? Like I, I'm almost been working professionally for a decade, you know, after college, like it's taken like a decade to be like, do not be upset if something is not right or this. And I don't get upset, but now, but because of the, I think now I'm just like, whoa, like kind of in like the void, the lost at sea of like, I don't have, you know, I, I don't feel as grounded in my um, self-confidence so that my, my risking and my, um, I don't know, like my, my reaching is not as encouraged in myself. Casey, I don't know about you, but are you getting, I, I feel like I haven't gotten as much negative feedback in all of this that I did before. Like there's been times where I will come, you know, especially at work and I'll be like, I totally dropped the ball on this. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And they'll be like, didn't even notice. Uh, you're doing amazing. And then I ride that wave all day. I'm just like, wow, they didn't even notice because I'm so amazing. <laughs> I've gotten, I think it's just been a little bit of both. Like I, I've had some challenging, like, you know, feedback both, you know, or I've, I've, I've had some challenging situations like both at work and I think it personally, like there's been just some moments where I'm like, oh, you know, not everybody's like totally on board with what I'm thinking right now. Um, but in general, yeah, it's not a lot. I think it's just like in those moments where there were like really heightened examples. Like I was just really surprised at how differently I was reacting. Um, and I think it is related to this thing we're talking about, this like base yeah. validation <laughs> feelings. Casey, Casey, I felt like completely unmoored when our season was canceled. You know, I'm in a profession that has like such a finite objective measure of how successful you are. You win or you lose and you have a measure of like what, you know, there are other metrics for success, but that is the main one. And when you just don't have that and there's it's like erased, you just feel adrift. You're like, that was my purpose. And for 30 years, I've been involved in competitive athletics and pursuing like a very defined goal it gets lost and yeah, you're like absolutely adrift and feel I've, you know, for a while I felt like professionally really purposeless because I didn't have any, you know, you're just like, it's not there. There's, there's nothing to, to, to pursue and there's nothing to drive towards. Um, I think it's and, and therefore no, no, nothing coming from external or internal right. for like measuring how well you're doing. And it's yeah, yeah. brutal when you, when you don't have that. I just really quickly wanted to say, I think this idea of like purpose, but also like that, like 
I think purpose like insinuates like value in some way. Like I have a purpose and like there is value associated to my purpose. And I wonder like, it, like where is it in between like care, <laughs> value and purpose or like success, value, purpose, like all how all these things like interconnect and like, you know, if you're feeling purposeless or there's not a lot of value in yourself, you know, can you feel as validated if you don't have, you know, of course, now that I'm saying out loud, it's like, of course it's harder. Um, but I do yeah. think it's interesting to think about, um, you know, as everyone like knowing more about themselves and how they, and, and to learn how you feel about yourself, um, and I just never really thought that deeply about it until I had that reaction. So, you know, I I feel better talking about it because it's um yeah, I it's hard to describe. It it it, it makes me feel less like a baby, I guess, is what I'll say. <laughs> the professional one is really tricky, Casey. And I think that kind of continuum of you know, value and success. Like those, those, that's a really tricky, sticky wicket to try to, uh, I'm mixing up my analogies and idioms all night Children tonight. I'm sorry, it. folks. Join it um, Thursday for grammarian hour. Um, but like professional or uh, uh, performance wise, we had an email that went out this week of like, we're reopening, like, and we have plans and there's a calendar. Just that connected to the idea that I will be validated externally by an audience someday soon. And that like charged me up. Oh, I was so like, good. I will be there in the room with people who I, Oh man, if I can make them laugh again, Oh boy. You know, and that's, yeah. Drives so much. That's good. I mean, I will say, I feel like it's like such an adult way to feel too. Like, I mean, just to give yourself uh, a little boost and not feel like a baby, because I don't think a baby would even be this self-aware of, um, you know, and sometimes babies children are even stupid. get, <laughs> I think babies even get to a point where they're just like, enough with all the validation. This is a lot. Like I just ate a peach and, um, <laughs> you know, when we, as we grow up, I think recognizing that you need validation, like, you know, I'm kind of on the cusp of Gen X and millennials. And when I was in high school, it was very cool to act like you didn't care about mm -hmm. anything. And uh, it was like a whole generation of people who were just like, nah, caring's not cool. And um, I think that what this pandemic overall has forced me to do has, is admit I care, I am paying attention, I am listening to myself, I am listening to my needs, I am listening to what I need. And sometimes it's as simple as like, I need to feel validated, I need to feel funny. Like, if there's nothing else I have at the end of the day, I always know I will be funny. And this pandemic was kind of just like, you sure about that? <laughs> I was like, ooh oh, wow, like, we're going to have to reckon with that because now I have no audience and like, or now I'm like really have to, having to find new ways to seek out an audience, right. um, which coming to terms with that 
is also like a form of accepting yourself and just admitting like, yeah, I need people. I need validation. Here are the ways that I need validation. Yes. Validating that you need validation is actually validating. <laughs> Casey, <laughs> Casey, we need to come up with a term for that. When our guest puts a perfect bow on our topic for us, I think when uh -huh. we are unable to do it and our guests like, just, yeah, it's like <laughs> our guest fucking crushes the 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 wrap up like thank you good night yes. well, it's um, been a, a running theme for us tiana and you that was beautiful i i, I mean thank you thank you to both of you guys you know i think when i thought about that i thought about this like it came up today and i was like this is worth talking about but it also is definitely something that I feel like I, I was feeling slightly embarrassed to talk about, but um, I think a lot of people will identify with it. And I knew I, I have such a deep fear of being judged on so, so many things, but I what, did not feel judged um, in this room and I didn't think I was going to be. So I just appreciate that. Um, we appreciate you, Casey. You're great. I'll accept it. We also appreciate <laughs> our guest, as I said, putting the perfect bow on it. And also, uh, Tiana, we appreciate you offering our final topic of the night, your big worry. Sure. So uh, my big worry kind of, um, well, I kind of thought it tied in, but I guess it doesn't really. Um, so I think I worry that uh, social media is causing me to lose faith in humanity. Mm. Um, so there's... I remember when, like, you know, I, I was a big fan of a uh, live journal back in the day. I was a huge fan in college, would bear my soul in a blog and again get that loop feedback of people just being like, oh, this is so true. And like, um, you know, I was a big fan of uh, MySpace when that came out. And then when status messages were a thing, I was all in. Like, I just loved social media and meeting people in that way and exposing yourself in that way. And I think over the years, especially now that social media is just open to everyone, there's kind of a, like, the wheels have kind of come off this thing and it's crazy town. Um, things are just heightened in a way that, you know, I, I read a, I, I go through my memories every day um, and see what I've posted in social media. And, um, I had a post that I won't even talk about. I had to delete it. It would not fly today at all. <laughs> but everybody was in the room with it because they knew me and they knew me as a person. So because they knew me, everybody was just like, yeah, I'm totally here with you and I'm going to join in and we're going to ramp this thing up. And it was like, everyone was in on this bit. And I loved reading the responses and I loved watching everybody just be measured and you know, laughing and having a good time where I was just like, even with a topic that wasn't as incendiary today, no one, like, like some people I feel like just come on a status message just to be anti what you're saying. Mm -hmm. And, um, it starts to make me think like, are we just all angry? Like, is there just a simmering anger that's running as an undercurrent on society? Like, do I, should I feel as unsafe as I feel online? Like, mm. should I tuck into a cocoon and hide myself? Should I, I'm, I mean, I'm currently on, I read a book about 
um, digital minimalism because at the same time I'm worried about social media uh, ruining my faith in humanity, I'm also giving way, way, way too much time to it. Um, and as I'm on this detox, I still miss some of the toxic things about social media and like how I get that feedback and how quickly that feedback comes. And, you know, for every bad comment, there's 10 amazing good ones. So, um, I don't know. I'm just kind of tired of feeling scared of that. I'm going to say the wrong thing because that's even transferred to my real life mm -hmm. and in person life. Um, Tiana, I am terrified of social media and I don't engage much at all. Um, I don't have Instagram. I've never been on Twitter. Um, I have a Facebook, but I'm not active on it. Uh, you know, and, and for a lot of the, the reasons that you touch on, like I am, it's a, it's a environment that I'm utterly unfamiliar with and like terrified of engaging because it's so foreign to me. Um, and I, I don't want to engage with angry people or irrational or just trolls or, you know, firebomb throwing people who just want to upset others. I'm like, uh, I, I, I would rather go out in Hartford and my community and be like on the ground. But I, I say that recognizing that it is a critically important forum that has tremendous value, but also has for me, this terrifying element to it of like, I'm not sure how to engage productively in this space. So I never have, which is very yeah. <laughs> probably not healthy that way either. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I think it, uh, I mean, I love the people in the spaces that I love on social media. Like, and I will say Instagram, unless you're like a Uber celebrity, I've seen it be mostly good, like mm -hmm. just mostly good comments. You know, there's very rarely anything that I've seen that's so inflammatory. And you also don't get sucked into comment threads of right. just people spewing anger. And is, um, sorry, is that because Instagram is more just like pictures and videos of your life, of what you're doing? Is that right? It's or... also less comment, like the way it's designed, like comments don't get um as much space like they, uh -huh. they all are hidden number one like basically all the time and number two the algorithm doesn't like show you like an inflammatory instagram post like they're just shared kind of like as things come i'm, I'm sure there's some sort of algorithm but you know when you then Tiana, i'm sure you've seen these like when pe when there's like holy shit like somebody's popping off on casey's you know um facebook status and it's like her cousins and her friends from improv are all fighting on this post or something. This is never like, and it brings the fright right to the top on Facebook. Yeah. It brings it up to the front. So people can actually, they're like, Oh, it's like, it's like someone sees a fight and everyone starts yelling, fight, fight, fight. And then gets in a big circle. That's exactly what it's like. Yeah. And that's just and people commenting. That's people commenting at each other and saying you're an idiot and you're an idiot and you're yeah. wrong and you're wrong. Yeah. Like I've seen it where somebody is just like, I went to the grocery store and the girl ran up my thing wrong. And people are like, you should be better at respecting hourly workers. And like, somebody's like, Hey man, that wasn't what she was saying. And it's like, that is what she was saying. And 
blah, 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 blah. And it's just like, and then you're you're reading through the comics and you're like, wow, that went south really fast. I'm going to click out of here. And then the next time you log in, because 10 more people have responded, Facebook is like, I know you care about this. And then you're like, yeah. I didn't care about it, but I'm going to read all 10 of these stupid comments. Whereas Instagram, you might like scroll on a picture and it'll show you like one bad comment under the caption where like, it'll say like, you know, Casey has a picture of her dog and under that somebody wrote casey you're a loser and if there's 104 comments you go on casey's page you can't even see that casey's a loser comment you have to dig in there yeah i'm sorry this is like uh explain social media to grandpa kevin hour but so tiana in that to to your worry of like that social media is making you lose faith in humanity those people who are commenting and fighting and like that's not what she said that's not what she meant what do you think their motivation is like or i mean or can you even guess like what might they be trying to achieve is it just to fight and have their blood pressure high or or what like i i sometimes wonder if that's the case because so you know i'll be honest a couple of weeks ago i had uh you know it was really tough racially in this country as it tends to be and uh you know people were kind of uh my my friends were great and glorious and very supportive of what was going on and in some comments people were like well not to be a devil's advocate but let's get all the facts and he was no angel type of thing on a story and you know i'm reading the comments of these friends of theirs where my friends are making posts that are just like a light went out today. I am so sad. And, you know, other people are playing devil's advocate. And that's where I'm just like, why? Why Why did you have to? Did we need another devil's advocate? Is this, are we in the market for this kind of talk? Are we, and, and you know, that's just one example of things that people do on the internet that I, I just don't understand why. I just don't understand why you have to offer an alternative viewpoint, especially when it's people who claim to be on the side of things that they are. Sounds an awful uh, lot like you don't agree with what I'm saying, but. Mm -hmm. I I see it a lot with women's issues where men will be like, you know, you you post something about sexual assault against women and men are like, women get sexual assaulted too and they lie. And I'm like, this is making me very afraid of men. Um, so it's the it's the like bullshit, well, actually kind of shit being trying to be sanctimonious and higher. OK, the thing that I was yeah, because, that's, and oh, that's all ahead. just shitty. <laughs> Sorry. That's yeah. all. No, go ahead, Casey. The thing that I so I 100 percent agree. And the, the thing that you said about like someone complaining about, you know, in the grocery store and then someone being like kind of like finding a problem and part of me gets like uh, uh, in conversations that I've had about these kind of conversations, these difficult conversations about difficult things to talk about that often get brought up on social media. You know, part of it is sometimes like weird aggressive virtue signaling that like nobody asked for. Like nobody asked for. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. It's like, you know, I mean, there's so many opportunities to virtue signal, but why are you coming up in here and making this shit up about this grocery worker? You know, like, obviously there's lots of things to talk about, but like, yeah, why, what, what is, yeah. Like, why are you doing this is a very good question because it's the same question you'd ask to the virtue signaler as you would to the devil's advocate. Um, 
you know, and they're neither yeah. of them are good reasons to be doing the things that they're doing. I, I don't, I, as I said, I don't have experience with social media. And I, I think this is connected. I hope my kids went to the Jewish community center preschool program and numerous times there were bomb threats called into the JCC so much so that it just kind of became routine. And I don't I, So the analog maybe to like commenters who are just looking to like throw a bomb into this argument and, and, and like, literally, I was like, these people are calling in bomb threats to the JCC. Do they just want to sow chaos? Are they true anti-Semites? Like, are they, is it actually a valid, like, we are going to plant a pipe bomb at the JCC? And trying to figure out their motivation, I, I don't know I don't, whether even maybe this isn't even a value to the, to the, the exploration of this, but like, what is the intent? What's the purpose, you know, of cultivating so much anger um i mean is it just to so, trolls, right yeah and just to, honest, to sorry, chaos. seeing that your screen is all fuzzy and i'm working on fixing it <laughs> oh okay i'm like we can, still, my... we can still hear you perfectly though so good from, okay. from the podcast angle yeah but i was just gonna say i just was saying like the trolls are real and is that tiana to your worry part of the losing faith in humanity that people are such trolls absolutely i mean i think when i growing up with the internet um we got our first computer when i was like eight and i think we got the internet on it and i got in chat rooms when i was like nine or ten so same, same. but i was also way younger like most of the kids in my class did not have internet like we were the pioneers in the neighborhood um, so I've been on the internet so long that when I was on, the internet was a very honest thing. Having a conversation with somebody online, unless somebody was, you know, they didn't call it catfishing in those days, but unless they were lying to you about their ASL, then you were having an honest conversation and you were getting really real with people that you might have never even met before. Yeah. So that, that all honest, kind of changed. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I'm always worried I think when I see trolls, because I'm so used to that honest and earnest type of internet, I am always thinking, oh, this is how people really feel. Like, mm -hmm. you're not just trolling me. This is how you actually are. And this is how you actually move through the world. And what I'm actually probably seeing when I see you in person is the facade. This is this you are cutting to the core of like my anxiety about this. Um, I think the anonymity, I mean, the, the darkest, most horrible things that are on the internet are on, you know, the anonymous, you know, picture, uh, like photo board sites, like 8chan and all that other crap. And like, that is how like the alt-right, like, you know, bandied around Trump and like basically started their movement. Like, it, the internet is the place where all the worst people are and at the same time it is a beautiful wonderful place to be funny and connect with people and it sucks that it's just like the real world i mean that, let's be serious <laughs> it's the fucking world on the computer except we don't get to be in the world oh you're 100 right. your, how is your detox tiana what like what is it and how has it been how has it gone so I started it, um, I was supposed to start it on May 1st, but I was so eager. I, I read a book and I was so eager that I was just like, I'm starting now, I'm starting today. Um, so I started about uh, probably a week ago. 
Um, cold, cold turkey. We get a half cold. at this point. Um, so what I do is I'm off Facebook entirely. Uh, I think I've checked in once just to get, um, I knew a Zoom room had sent out their location via Facebook because that's the thing. People won't let you just completely disengage from Facebook. They're like, no, that's how I throw my parties. And I'm like, all right. Mm -hmm. So <laughs> I knew I had to log in there to get that, but then I just literally got the link and left. I peaced out. Um, and I saw my friend had a baby. That was it. Um, when, when you disengage from Facebook, do you feel any like cognitive difference? Like, or I felt free immediately. Like yeah. just, I took it off my phone. I won't let myself access it on my phone. When I did find that link, I, I used my laptop to do it. And I was just like that, that first night, my wife was like, you've talked to me more tonight than you have in like a year oh, wow. because I just wasn't on my phone like mindlessly. And that's what it was. What I wanted to get rid of was this, the mindless scrolling for those of you on the podcast, like the mindless scrolling of my fingers in the phone. And I'm barely even registering what I'm consuming. Yeah. And I found myself like, so um, I, I keep track of my screen time using the Apple app. And I think the week before I did this, I clocked in at nine hours a day on my phone. Wow. Um, I did that detox. I came in at four. Yeah. And honestly, most of that was podcasts. So mm -hmm. I wasn't even really on my phone. I was yeah. just listening to a podcast. Yeah. And um, like, I, I just was like, this is mind blowing to me that I think we were watching an episode of House Hunters and I had a comment on the floors. I had a comment on the walls. I had a comment on how much I couldn't stand that this woman could not accept the fact that they were in Italian chalet and the floor, the windows were going to be old. Like, and my wife was just like, you are so chatty tonight. And I was just like, yeah, I'm chatty again. I'm engaged. I'm listening. And I felt free and I felt amazing by like day three. I did miss my friends and I missed hearing what they had to say. But one of the things that this book talked about was how, we often say, I can't leave social media because I will um, miss my friends. And my friends are very important to me. And connecting with my friends are very important to me. When I missed a friend, I reached out to them. Like, and in some cases, friends that I've never reached out to outside of social media. I was just like, I thought of you and I wanted you to know that. Um, and it was very weird and it was very awkward. Um, but I also was just like, but this is how life used to work. This is how life was. So one more question for explain social media to Grandpa Kevin. Um, <laughs> Facebook, I know you you couldn't curate your feed to just show you your friends that you want to connect with, correct? Like, you like kind it, it, of can, okay. but it also will work the al algorithm yeah. on you still. It'll mm -hmm. pump ads and pump news and pump other stuff at you so you couldn't just be like i just want to see the okay these There's friends also a lot of um uh like amazon style recommending of information to you as well like yeah. we noticed like casey we noticed you were on tiana's page and did you see that tiana's like sister posted this thing and i'm like not even friends with tiana's sister this is a made-up thing this didn't happen but like uh I, and it's like Tiana commented on her sister's thing. Don't you want to see that? And I'm like, not really, but maybe. And then it's like, I mean, what is there? 
it, it was really bad for me in 2016. It started affecting my mental health being on Facebook, but it was also one of those things where I didn't know how to look away um, because friends and their family members um, were being exposed to me as like saying the most hateful things. Um, and it looked like it, it was looking to me like, wow, you really feel this way. Or, you know, you support somebody who really feels this way. So it was tough for me to just even witness it. But um, I would try to look away. I would be like, okay, we're going to hide that friend from the timeline. I don't follow them anymore. And then sometimes Facebook would just be like, somebody commented on this you should see it. And, the, and they like shove it in your face. And I'm like, I'm trying to get away from what is happening here. Like even on the level of, you know, I've had friends who went through breakups and Facebook doesn't know you went through a breakup and they'll be like, look at your boyfriend's hanging out with now. It's like, I am devastated. And you're showing me pictures of my ex-boyfriend. So it's such the a algorithm. Weird... Yeah. Oh, sorry. It's it, so weird that you it's... can't control it. It controls you. Like, or, it or... does. That's like, and even when you try to control it, because people have told me before when I've talked about I really want to get off of Facebook, people have said like, no, no, you can control it, and I'm like, I promise you can't, because yeah. it'll also just find another way to get to you. Right. It's always changing, it's always growing, and like, I mean, everyone knows this, but like Kevin, for you not being on social media, like, I mean, it's the it's free, so like, you don't have any control over it. You just get to use it how it uses you in the way that it decides. So it's like kind of. Well, Tiana, it's amazing that you are able to step away. You're able to go cold turkey and then able to like figure out through some self-reflection of like, well, how do I want to engage with it? And what are the real things that are valuable to me about this space? Because there are things of value, but they're hidden amongst just mud. And... I'm worried about the second half of the question, though the losing faith in humanity part of the question <laughs> well you know and that part i'm why why i'm doing the detox is that i want it to remind me that humanity doesn't only exist in facebook because you know there's something that you know my friends and i say where we're always just like facebook isn't real like you know when somebody doesn't tag you in something like when somebody doesn't invite you to a party like and you look at the pictures and you see they're having so much fun without you like Facebook isn't real so don't buy too much into that on the other hand Facebook is very real right. like Facebook is a part of our society if I was to unfriend somebody on Facebook for a comment I wouldn't like they will approach me about it in a bar uh, and be like why did you do that like, just like I disinvited them to a party. So you can't deny that it's both not real and very real at the same time. So the part with humanity that I'm trying to remind myself about is like, let's remind myself what parts are real. Like, yes, there are some scary men out there. I also don't date men, so I don't have to worry about them in that way. I can still worry about my friends who date men. Um, and what they think about, the, like what some men think about them and their bodies and what they're doing with their bodies and what they're not doing with their bodies. Um, all I can hope is that we are all using our context clues and our, you know, 
what we see and what is real and what is really in front of us to weed out those terrible trolls that are on the internet that I, I feel like I'm seeing often and I'm seeing them so often that I'm a, like, this is how men are. I don't want to get to that place where I'm thinking this is how blank is. This right. is how blank are. Mm -hmm. um, and I will say the, the detox is helping with that. It's reminding me what people, who people are and what they look like and how we interact with each other. And like, you know how you say all the time, oh, the, the kids are all right. Like, I, I really do feel like things are okay. I, that almost like leads us into the summer of like, what is it, you know, we're recording this in early May. It's like, well, what will the next few months be like? Maybe people will be more outdoors and we can look at each other and see each other. And I don't know, that might build to more actual human interaction. Or as you talked about the advent of the internet and your engagement with it more kind of honest or real type of interaction as opposed to this like yeah. violent and loud presentational type of of internet right even if it's not actually violent like i do feel like people like will violently express how happy they are or we talked yes. about this a little, you know what i mean like we talked about this a little bit in like other spaces um or other conversations about like yeah, just like, you know, how people present and like it, it, sometimes it does feel like an aggra ag like aggressively positive or like or like they talk about toxic po positivity, you know, like there's not a lot of realness. Go I think that maybe that's it, right? Facebook is real, but there's not a lot of realness or something. Like do you know what I mean? Like people aren't being real, but We need to be more human exclamation points. Get them out there. <laughs> fill the world. Human exclamation points everywhere, people. I love it. I'm down for it. Oh. Uh, Tiana, thank you for sharing um, an amazing and deep. Uh, we got we got into that. That is a, a really important um, big worry. So thank you so much for that, and thank you for being our guest uh, on this episode of Little Worry, thank, Big Worry. Thank you both so much. This was so much fun. Awesome. It was That's great so to fun. talk with you. Stick around, please, for uh, our next little bit uh, of recommend something good. Uh, Casey, do you Absolutely. mind if I go first for recommending something good? I don't mind at all. We were just talking about the summer, getting out there. We opened the show with tulips. I'm going to close it with other things to do outdoors in Hartford. Yes. Uh, Hartford Athletic Soccer Club yeah. and the Hartford Yard Goats. I think people all I think people know about the Yard Goats. Amazing stadium. Tickets are on sale. Their home opener is next Wednesday. They're oh. playing games at home, and the Yard Goats are amazing. Hartford Athletic, which plays uh, in kind of the south end of Hartford, uh, the refurbished Dillon Stadium amazing soccer club great sports in hartford if you want to feel like pride and connection pride. to hartford yeah sit like yes to sports and to civic like hartford people go ape shit at hartford athletic they Yard really goes, do it's rad i love them so uh I, I hope you and others i know you go to the yard goats and get out there but I have. do it people they're great i have and you know it's funny i've I've really enjoyed, you know, after high school, I stopped, or yeah, after high school, I stopped doing as many like sports outings things. But when, you know, uh, the Yargo Stadium and the Athletic Stadium opened, it was definitely a, hey, dad, did you hear there was a, there's a place I can take you that isn't Hartford Stage? And he was like, what? <laughs> so yeah, I really do. Uh, I really do enjoy those. So I will, I will get out there, Kevin. I probably will find myself at the soccer game. Um, They're and... getting good support and it's awesome. You know, cause I think Hartford, it's just like, 
it's great when people go out and really support those Listen, type of things in all our sorts city of events and having it be for all sorts of folks, not just arts, not just, you know, culture and sports These are all good things. Yeah. Um, so my, my recommendation comes from a, uh, a documentary I watched a couple weeks ago um, that was recommended by Nate to me as he just like turned it on. He was like, we're watching this. And I was like, okay <laughs> which is my favorite kind of recommendation um which and it was um ava duberney's this is the life um which mm. was the documentary about the good life cafe so where lots of indie hip-hop was happening um and i just felt like i don't know have you seen it kevin i haven't i don't know anything about it this okay, is the so first i know ava about Duverney it is the director who's done like i think she did a wrinkle in time and then when yeah. they see us like she's fabulous yeah. but he but I think before movies was a musician and a rapper. And um, she performed at the Good Life Cafe. And the thing that I loved the most about it was that it really was like indicative of like what creativity, style and community look like and being alone in this pandemic, like seeing all these things kind of like meshing together, like with people gathering. I was just like, oh man, remember individual style? <laughs> it was like just so nice. Like both in like your artistic output, but like, and in like personality and like clothes and all these things. I was just like, man, individual style, creativity, I community. It. I miss it so much. Um, So watch this is the life. I will. Thank you for the recommendation. Yes. Tiana, we kick it to you for a pitch, a recommendation, whatever you would like. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, I have consumed so much during this time. Um, I've been, you know, just to stay on the topic of teen dramas, I will let you know about this dope show that just got started. I believe it's on Freeform, but I watch it uh, when it airs the next day on Hulu called Cruel Summer. Um, mm -hmm. Just to give you a little teaser, it is a teenage girl it's her 15th birthday in 1993. Then we follow up with her 16th birthday in 1994 and her 17th birthday in 1995. In 1993, she's a little dorky loser. In 94, she's the coolest girl in school. And in 1995, she's the most hated woman in America. Wow. So you get to I'm see sold. in... Yeah, it's it's pretty great. Uh, the most popular girl in the school goes missing and there's a conspiracy that she had something to do with it. Uh, there's a lot of who did what and why and did that really happen? And is she lying and is he lying? And uh, it's very twisty turny. They're only on like episode four right now. I have been telling people if you wanna watch it, you should probably save it to binge or you can totally watch it in real time and uh, email me about it because I I have theories that I want to discuss and I don't know who to talk to them about because I'm almost 40 and none of my friends are watching teen shows. So I this is a call that I will, this is a call I will accept and I will send you my thoughts. <laughs> we're going to watch it and we're going to use the internet for good to discuss yes. cruel summer. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Do uh, it. Oh, well, thank you, Tiana. Casey. We did it. We did it. This was fantastic. You guys are great. And I uh, I can't wait until the next time we're together in real life. Tune in Sunday for Tulip Hour. And don't forget to be human exclamation points out there, people. Woo! All right. Bye.
Good night. Bye, y'all.